Are we live? We'll do it live! A team. Some might call it a must win. Keep it. We played a game last Saturday. Oh, that's that must have been what it was. They were silent for a while. Statistically one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. You're forgetting. <laughs> You're forgetting what in between there. <laughs> I'm just gonna forget about him. With two of the three previous quarterbacks at TCU were Andy Dalton, NFL All Pro, and Trayvon Williams, one of the most dynamic athletes. Just red and purple and white all time. Uh, your expectations. You're offering failures quite a bit higher. It was somewhat disappointing, um, and not surprising to see TCU fans not grow against Andy Dalton after the offense failed before. Um, you know, I, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and when and when you've got a quarterback that's struggling like that, you have to adjust your your game plan a little bit. You have to adjust the play calling, if nothing else, to you know it, to to placate to you know where where his strengths or, or weaknesses are are popping out like in in the game last Saturday he was really struggling at I mean just even the most simple simple passes obviously the the communication between him and his wide receivers was obviously they, they just weren't on the same page um, and that showed up that showed up in a couple of the uh, interceptions especially the one particular one in the red zone where Turpin wasn't even I think it was Turpin coming out of the backfield wasn't even looking right 
and Jalen, he and Jalen Rager weren't on the same page for a couple of big passes that fortunately none of those went um, for interceptions. They were just incompletions. But you could tell Kenny Hill was a little bit he, – he was a little bit rattled and partially because of that. And, and when you have – like I said, when you have a quarterback like that who is really struggling, you have to adjust. I mean, it, we were screaming at the TV, run the ball more, because when we finally started running off tackle – we were getting, you know, chunks of yardage. We were getting first downs on first down, which hadn't happened all day. Granted, at times, you also had the penalties come and bite you in the butt. But, you, you know, and that, that obviously we haven't talked about that yet, but the offensive line struggles, uh, that was a big, huge part of Saturday. Well, I think, you know, I think Raider ran the wrong route four times. He said he didn't think about that. He doesn't do that. But he ran the wrong route four times. You know, like, Austin Swatman had four holding penalties. Say what you will about him. Um, he is one of the best guards in college football when he's allowed to play that position. But he did look a little bit out of sorts at the center position. And Patrick Morris has not played Saturday, how does he said. So uh, they're going to have to get that together. And then somebody, you know, the one thing I'll say about him is that he's a young player. His first year college player in game one football. So two times he's seen the 3 3 5 defense, and both times he's really struggled um, to right yeah I mean I alluded I alluded to it already but the offensive line just the 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 holding penalties were just drive killers I mean so many times we had that all in all we had um we had penalties for 10 penalties for 104 yards, I think is what it was. Um, but a lot of those were centered around the offensive line. Slotman specifically got called for, I think it was four holding penalties. And, and so many times, not just Slotman, but so many times that held TCU back from, from a first down or it put them and, or it put them back on first down where they, they ended up starting having to start their drives or start that next set of downs you know, at first and 15, first and 20. So it, it just, the, I, I remember there was a particular, uh, a pull that the, our left guard had. It wasn't Schlotman. I think it was, well, I think it was Pryor. In any case, came around, it, was a, it was a pulling guard that came around and completely whipped on the block. And whoever the running back was, whoever the running back, it was the worst pull I'd ever seen. And the running back got, just completely owned in the backfield because a, a tackler came through and just whipped him for a tackle for loss. It was... Why'd you have to go there? <laughs> you and Mason both. Whatever. We'll get into that later. Yeah, so, you know, we already kind of touched on Raiders' rush day. You know, when you're too frustrated in that environment, I mean, that's got to be the most pressure-filled situation that the process felt this season Gary Patterson continues to be one of the best coaches in the game, especially at the halftime adjustment, because that defense came out just 
switching the cornerbacks in, in particular really helped out. Putting Gladney on um, Alan Lazard just really shut down the, their wide receivers as a whole. Yeah, the the back shoulder, the back shoulder fades especially. They saw a weakness there and they took advantage of it early. Sure. And the route runner that that Alan Lazard is too, where he can stop on a dime, turn, catch the back shoulder fade and or get back shoulder pass and and just catch it over Turpin basically. to slightly disagree with you on the aspect that, that our, our team didn't show up to play. I think defense obviously did. Special teams obviously did. Offense, uh, it's not that they didn't show up to play, but they, they weren't, they didn't seem fully prepared. They weren't sharp. Iowa State took advantage, probably was some of the cause to that, like you said, it, but they really just, they, they couldn't execute, and the, and the, the, the penalties, the play calling, n- nothing was changed in order to fix what was going wrong with the offense. And I think I think and I think that killed TCU's offensive game plan more than anything else. I think I mean obviously the defense kept them in it in the second half after Turpin's you know they were t- down a touchdown for the entire second half and the offense had a chance even at the, in the last drive of the game before Kenny threw the pick. They had a chance to drive down and score and they just couldn't do it. They they relied too much on the pass. They didn't uh, they, they they were running like you, they, we wrote down. They were running option plays on third and third and long. R- running the wild frog on third and long with Sewo. Like, what's going on there? You know what I've what I've what play I've wanted to see in in that particular in the red zone inside the five where, that we haven't seen since the Mountain West days is that it wasn't a jet sweep but it was a it, it was I th- it might have been a jet sweep where we had a, a running back a tight end a running back a fullback and a tight end and we had the wide receiver run out from the right side and they had they had three extra blockers on one side and they just run it to the pylon every time that was a touchdown every single time. Great, we've got three guys back there that are all going to 
And don't telegraph what you're going to do before the plague, for, for the love of God. It was a dirty game. Herman did say he might announce it on Friday. We'll see. NC State's a good team, too. Notre Dame's for real this year. Yeah, they, Notre, Notre Dame's got a pretty tough schedule ahead, moving ahead with the likes. Uh, we talked about this last week. They got Miami on the schedule at Miami. Well, we'll see soon. Because Miami's still got to play Clemson, I think. Um, if not before then, then in the ACC championship game. Um, Notre Dame's got Wake Forest uh, next week, which is uh, – Wake Forest is a much improved team. They've got Navy after that, which is a weird triple option team, and then they got Stanford. So Notre Dame's got their own gauntlet to run to end the season. We'll see how much – how well they can get through that, if they can get through that unscathed. It's as much of a gauntlet as any other team has this late in the year. Just, just, let's look at TCU's schedule, right? We got Oklahoma, Baylor, at, at Tech, Baylor, Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State's defense really took it to Will Greer in that game. a lot of things to happen in order for them to win the Big 12 at this point. Uh, 
something crazy. Ever since the monsoon game we lost against the, the last Mac Brown team, we have just absolutely housed the Longhorns. Sure. A ship had sailed already. Especially when you consider that they get five-star running backs virtually every year out of Texas. Couple, couple concussions there. Couple interception concussion throws. No. The talent's there, right? The talent's always going to be there for Texas. It's a matter of can the offensive line one keep their quarterback upright in the running and keep you know open holes for the run game, right? And that's and that's part obviously, like you said, a part big part of the reason why the running game has not been able to get going for Texas. Right. Right. Well, first, I mean, my, my, my first thought was how well is the TCU defensive line Gonna gonna do in this game, but then I realized I don't want to get too far ahead of our you know ahead of ourselves ahead of our team here. But it, it I realized it's not a matter of how if they're gonna have a field day against the Texas O line. It's how much are they gonna have a field day? How disruptive are they gonna be? Right. So I'm gonna tell you that the most important unit matchup is gonna be TCU's wide receiver core versus uh, the Texas DBs with with Holton Hill expected to be probably a high maybe second round draft pick something in there. Um, like I, like we met, 
Texas has the defense, right? So they have the talent, rather, to be able to be effective on defense. So I'm interested to see whether, obviously, Kenny Hill and the offensive line are a big part of that with the pass blocking and the passing itself. But I'm interested to see how the wide receiver core can bounce back from kind of a down game against Iowa State, relatively speaking, versus the Texas DBs. Can they get separation? Can they make the big play? Um can they get free in space to, uh, you know, help Kenny Hill in that efficient, efficient passing game that, that has come to be, you know, we've come to be familiar with the, with the 2017 Horn Frog offense. Man, in key spots too. There have not been anywhere near as many of there were as, la- as as there were last year, but they have just been, oh, just killers. Banagu, 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 Ostrich eggs. Right. Yeah. So if we look at uh, picks to click, I got a couple names here. Who are your picks to click? So my number one is this kind of leads on what you were saying with the wide receivers. I think this is a John Yark game. Uh, Yark has really become the heartbeat of this team. You know, I think that in year two, years of transferring to LSU and discovering what it's like to have, you know, even a semi competent quarterback, he's really taken over the leadership of this, not just the offensive game, but the team as a whole. Yes. No, I don't think it was George. I think it was a. It was a. It was some awful team that year in the SEC that he had the speech afterwards. Touche. Touche. But yes, he's been tweeting a lot. Did I wake up from a bad dream? Diarstes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I th- actually, I think it was earlier in 2014. I think we were 6-0 and going into Baylor. We ended up losing. We ended up being 6-1 and after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got gotcha. you.
You start to buy into the hype. We're talking Melissa in, in high school. Yeah, uh, my first pick to click is is an obvious one. Kenny Hill, right? Same thing. Is he going to be able to bounce back? Is he going to be able to have the more efficient game against this Texas offense that he'll probably need to have more than anything else? He doesn't need to put throw it long like he he you know needed like he did against Kansas. Um, you know, but he he's got to be accurate, which has shown to be a big weakness um, in his game. Um, he, he everybody has I think has come to the conclusion a lot of people have come to the conclusion that he is more of a game manager and not a true you know slinging around quarterback like Trevon Boykin was um is, so is he going to have again the bounce back game is he going to be able to be accurate is he going to be able to limit the mistakes uh, read the offense make the right read in the run pass option make the right read as far as going through his progressions if he even makes it that far in the passing game um it, it'll be interesting to see whether he can do that against arguably a more talented, but maybe not as complete defense in Texas. He was lined. It wasn't this one. He was lined up offsides to begin with. Oh my. I get that, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying that isn't complete, that isn't the case because it very well could be. But it was a sh- it was a short throw on a curl route that the linebacker jumped. I mean, man, you can't, dude, you can't line up offsides like that, like just period. And he did it twice. One, well, once was a once was an early jump. The other was lining up offsides. You, I mean, there was one. I think there was one sack in the game where he had a great jump off the line. But you can't, you can't take, you know. It's a risk reward thing, right? You can't do it that you know can't can't have a jump that early that often in on every single snap. You know you got to time it right. You got to you got to pick and choose your battles there, right? You know when, when is you know when obviously I don't know. It's hard to say because you can't say obviously you would have seen the pick six coming. You can't say that the quarterback would have thrown that interception either. But you just got to be more careful. You got to play more dis- disciplined. Is the bottom line. 
it has been a much more disciplined team, as you would expect from a more senior-laden team. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the last pick to click in my second one is Austin Schlotman. Um, we, we talked about him at length as well, as, as, at least as far as the penalties go. Um, and, you know, can he – he played pretty well at the end of last year, at the end of 2016, at the, at the center position. Um, and overall, he's been pretty darn good this year. But as Lexi Max would tell you, He has not played all that well in certain games. Yeah, it, we, we need Patrick Morris back, right? That being said, Schlotman needs to play better at the center position. He needs to be the figurehead of that offensive line. He needs to be the senior that he is and take on that leadership, you know, instill the leadership in the other folks, in the other guys on the offensive line that, that you know, he, that he needs to. Um, can he cut out the mistakes? You know, that, that, that sort of thing, it's... I'm interested to, to, to keep an eye on him because a lot of eyes, more eyes, will be on him in this game than they have been all year, probably his whole career at TCU. Absolutely. Do you want to ask your question? Yeah. I, you know, I was just thinking, you mentioned the offensive line coach that came over from ASU. I am wondering, it's a kind of a rhetorical question because I don't know that anybody knows, what the heck is Sonny Dykes doing for us in this offense? You think he's more of an advisory role? Sure. Sure. Judging, judging by the downgrade that they've had on offense, yes. I yeah, I want to it makes me wonder, too, what they're setting him up for the future because if he's helping recruiting, especially on the West Coast, is he going to be a, part of, you know, a serious part of this coaching staff moving forward? Sonny, is he a leech, is he a leech tree? Uh-oh. Okay. You heard, it, you heard it here first, folks. Maybe. Especially last year. Especially last year, yeah.
They're ranked now. Committee ranked them at, at what, 19 or something like that? That's stupid. No. Sure. That you. That's a good point. That their AD did leave for Nebraska. I think it was. Yeah. And they were. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Excellent questions. There are no bad questions except for the bad questions. I how long has TCU been in a multi-back system? When, when was the last time TCU had a single back that really carried the, the full weight of the load? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. But I... Right. Because before it was the... Mat, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, we've had a, we've had a you know, revolving... Multi... Two or three-headed monster, a couple of times. I think. I think back to the Rose Bowl years with Ed Wesley, Matthew Tucker, and uh, Wesley James. Um, so I, I'm going to say it's it's not hurting the frogs, especially when you look at this past weekend. I mean, case in point, both both rushers had ran for about 80 yards over over 16 carries, give or take, which is a, a decent day of rushing. Um, you know, it's it's really. They both bring something slightly different to the offense. I think Anderson is a, probably has a little bit more speed on the top end, has a little bit more elusiveness. You're exactly. Hicks has a slight, a little bit more power, certainly brings a lot more to the run, uh, the, the pass blocking game. Um, so you can use them in different downs and use them. I, I, Hicks is also probably a better catcher out of the back, backfield too. That, that's really underrated part of his game. Sure. Right. It's especially it's especially unlikely when when you have two Big 12 offenses going at it on either end and they're running 60, 70, 80 plays a game. You you kind of need a two right. Well, you kind of need a two back system, and that's you know frankly that that I don't think there's one that brings so much 
more than the other, at least with Hicks and Anderson is concerned, um, that that you're really hurt when one goes onto the field more than the other. I think they both bring you know really distinctive uh, strengths um, to to different you know plays in the offense. I don't think it's going to be – I'm, I'm taking a cop-out answer on this one because I don't think it's going to be either. I don't think – it's certainly not going to be any, any you know, length of blowout than, that, that TCU had against Kansas. But I think there'll be – it'll be a little – it won't be quite a squeaker. I think it will win by um, more than one score but probably not more than two scores. Right. Sure. Yeah, so Mountain Men Jim says, what would the following coaches order at In-N-Out? And we're going we're gonna to shorten this list a little bit because he's got a list of like 20 TCU coaches. Schloss, Dixon, Patterson. I have not. I didn't know that existed. Of course he is. How could you not be? Really? Really? No special sauce. Okay. That's fair. Also, Sarlus is probably the epitome of cool as far as TCU coaches go. That dude's, that dude's a, a bad A. Nice. That's awesome. Proud of you. I'll take Nice. I just I blacked out for a few seconds. I'm going to take the Dixon part of this. I think Dixon would take um, a cheeseburger protein style. So wrapped in lettuce and no bun. He's a very slim guy. But you still need, still need the protein. You still need all the all the rest of it. Oh yeah, a f- four by four animal style. Yeah. Oh yeah. How uh, how much more? How how many more times? How many more times are we going to have this opportunity that has been gifted to us? I should have brought it tonight. I brought it last time. I did. The one thing Whataburger has over In-N-Out is the fact that they're open 24 hours. And breakfast. I'd just rather go to McDonald's breakfast. No. Egg white. Egg McMuffin. 
Don't be a hater. Yeah, anyway. That was the in and out. It actually was, it's probably the McDonald's, let's be real. All right. Good dude. He's back at, he's at, was he at UCF before Texas? No, I'm totally making that up. That's right. Loveville. USF. Okay. Okay. Speaking of good dudes, Charlie Strong. Good dude. Everybody, if you know, he, we joke, but if TCU blows out Texas again, people might blame Charlie for the recruits. Of course. Sure. Everybody's emotional after a bi- after a loss like that. When you get up to number four, the number four ranking in the country, you're seven and zero. Everything's clicking after a Kansas win. There's there's you know people are going to be disappointed. You know they, are they taking their anger out in the wrong places? Yes. It's no. There's no probably. Yes. People are taking it out on on solely on Kenny Hill or so. You know it's 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 misdirected. The, the the fact is, as Patterson alluded to, the blame goes around. Right. Buck stops with, with Patterson as much as we don't like to admit it on days like that. So a, 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 win, a win this Saturday changes that perspective. I think, a lot, I think a, a lot of the concerns were alleviated after TCU came out number eight in, eighth in the ranking in the, play, in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, uh, Taj Williams, speaking of, still one catch, 26 yards and a touchdown against Kansas. You step up, bud.
Bedlam. Oh, you're talking about TCU. Okay. Sorry, I skipped ahead. Um, I, I mean, we talked about it before. I don't think I, – I, I think TCU is going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be super comfortable. There's, It's going to be not a sloppy game, but it's, it's not going to be a pretty win by any means. I think it's going to be back to the sort of efficient – offense that we saw maybe against Oklahoma. like the kind of I envision the kind of game that we played against Oklahoma State albeit much lower scoring right I'm gonna go I'm gonna go TCU 27 no it's gonna be lower than that TCU 23 Texas 16. I forgot Texas can't kick field goals. I think because they still have guys out on the offensive line, as bad as OU's defense is, I think they're still, because of Baker Mayfield, because, because of Baker Mayfield, they, that's going to be the difference maker in the, in the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State. It, it's going to be a, a probably, well, we think it's going to be a high-scoring game, which means it's probably not going to be. Yeah, but that being said, Oklahoma State's going to put up points. OU's just going to get enough stops, just like they did against Texas. Just to This one probably will be a squeaker, but I, I predict it will be a nail-biter and a great game throughout. Sure. Did that, did that hurt to say? Oklahoma State. I think a lot of people would like to see Iowa State in that. But they need a few things to happen as well since they already had that loss to Texas. True. True. 
both teams in that they put damage to have three losses. But let's, let's assume let's assume OU went Saturday, they probably went out. Then you're looking at a two loss of the state. You know, TCU probably gonna pick up a second loss here, possibly pick up a second loss, maybe in Norman. And then Iowa State has to play West Virginia and Arkansas State. So you can be looking at three teams with two losses. And it's a really interesting I think there's still a chance for a five-way tie for first place in the Big 12. Five true champions. Get it done. Please. Don't be Doug Meacham. <laughs> Please get it done. First of all, let me say that I applaud Karma for being 8-0 versus Baylor this year. Undefeated, which is just fan friggin' tastic. I think that Baylor is probably going to win this game because they have shown upside. They they have shown upside, and they have uh, unfortunately improved every single week, especially since they made that. Except last week, especially since they made that change at quarterback after week two. Matt Rule's got them going in the right direction, and 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 explains why a lot of. A lot of Baylor fans are really excited moving forward, even though they're 0-8, which I guess makes sense. I'd say so. NC State's had a pretty good year. They've got a really good team, but you know, can they can they really can they show up against a Clemson team that is as talented as virtually any team in the country? That's a good point. Right. Yeah. 
they may very if, if TCU is in a position to where they could get into it, they could potentially get into a New Year's Six Bowl or even the playoff. SMU might just be the calling card for their their um, non-conference schedule. Mutual parting or step down. Yes. Yes, they do. And he did it when the SEC East has been the worst it's been since SEC East was created. Number one in the country. Their resume says they are. Maybe he will for Tennessee. And Nebraska. Sure. Right. Pipe dream. Yeah, I mean, when you have it, – it, it, it speaks to the coaching job that Gary Patterson's done over the years. Granted, his defense played extremely well this past Saturday, but you don't hear his name up coming after, you know, a big a, a big loss like that. Obviously, we're 7-1. There's a lot of other factors at play. But my point is not a single person has ever – has even come close to approaching Gary Patterson – should start thinking you know, it's it's he, he's got so he's got so much job security it's just unbelievable i think that'll do it it's about in and out time who knows never know what he's doing
Send us some podcast questions. Maybe we'll answer them. Go Frogs.